What's up, guys? Today on the show, we're bringing on a four-time All-American in her sport. It's the first time bringing on a gymnast to the show. Super exciting opportunity to hear about her, her journey, her stories, going through injuries, what it's like to compete at the Division I level, what are their expectations for her team this year, her mentors, what she's learned from them, and everything in between. This is the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time boost. This is the Game Time Guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's up, everyone? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. I am your host, Shane Larson. want to give a special shout out to all the listeners who have been here with me for the last almost five years now. January of 2017 is when we started. We're almost to that five-year mark. 72,000 downloads, 92 different countries we've reached. And it's thanks in large part to everybody out there who supported, whether you be a guest on the show or it was a you know somebody who just listened to the show and shared it with a friend. Uh, I appreciate every single one of you. And as always, if you guys haven't done so already, those who are listening, go to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review on the podcast. Let us know, especially after you listen to this interview. Let us know what you think about it. The podcast reviews help the show's growth immensely. Um, that's not a secret. I've told you guys that before. Every podcaster knows that. It's not about downloads and how many people are listening. It's about the reviews. If you can get more reviews, it'll get out to more people. And that's why I asked that. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I just asked for those reviews and make them authentic and, and uh, listen to the show and let us know what you really think of the show. So in the last almost five years, we've had a variety of guests, all different sports, wheelchair, rugby. Um, we've had spike ball on the show, professional spike ball players, e-sports, all sorts of professional athletes from basketball, football, baseball, you know, former, you know, uh, Cy Young award winners, all sorts of stuff, wrestlers, MMA fighters, bare knuckle fighters, all sorts of stuff, but I've never had a gymnast. And that is why I am so excited for this episode. This is going to be fantastic. And today, we're going to be talking to a gymnast out of the University of Utah um, and getting to know her a little bit more and more about her story and kind of what she's got going on on the side as well. Her name is Sydney Soloski. Sydney, thanks so much for joining the show. Of course. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you of you, good old uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. That's where <laughs> yeah. most of my family actually resides anyway. So I'm pretty familiar with the area there. Um, I'm in Boise, Idaho, but uh, very familiar with the, the area down there. Um, talk to us about that. Let's Let's talk about when did you like decide you wanted to do gymnastics for the University of Utah? Like did that, like, was that at a young age that you decided that? Was there like a family connection there? Do you live near there? Like what, what was the thought process of when you decided you wanted to, you know, do gymnastics for U of U? Um, so I'm a Canadian. So I was born and raised in Calgary, Alberta, which is above Montana for those that don't really know geography of Canada. Um, and I was an elite gymnast back home for pretty much just, since I was five years old and, you know, college gymnastics was always kind of that next step after you were done with your elite career. And my coach at the time knew the head coach at Utah and he was like, would you be interested? And I had no idea Utah was even really like a state. Like I had no idea what college gymnastics entailed. I didn't know what Utah even had to offer me. Um, so I narrowed all my offers down to the two that I was really into and Utah was one of them. And as soon as I came on my visit here, I just fell in love with not only the university, but I really liked Salt Lake and the Utah area. So I was in ninth grade. So I think I was like 14 or 15. 
when I committed here. Um, and then I just stuck with it. That's super cool. I've got a good friend of mine from, you know, Alberta. So that's uh, a very interesting connection there. So <laughs> interesting how we got a lot of good Canadian athletes in the United States. It's amazing. You guys <laughs> produce a lot of talent up there, up North, we call it. Um, okay. So you mentioned five years old. Let's unpack that for a second. Five years old is kind of like when you started getting into gymnastics. Did I hear that correctly? Yeah, I was, I believe I was five. That's what my parents always told me. Um, my, I have an older sister who was in gymnastics and she was enrolled and I was still just hanging out with my mom and watching her. And I guess they saw me and they were like, that girl has a set of quads on her that like we have never seen on a five-year-old. Like, can she try out for our team? And my mom was like, yeah, that's fine. And have her. And then that was, that was it. That was the beginning of the journey. I tried out and then, you know, kind of fell in love with the sport at a really young age and just never looked back. That is so cool. So I'm, the reason I wanted to kind of touch base on that is for the athletes that are listening out there, sometimes, you know, it'll take work. And a lot of these people you might see, you know, people might look at you, Sydney, as like a fifth year at U of U, like this, you know, really talented collegiate athlete at the D1 level. Yeah. And they don't realize how much work has been put into that over the course of the last 15, you know, 16, 17, whatever it is, years that it, yeah. it's been, it's been a while. Like you've been putting in the work. It doesn't just happen overnight. You've been putting in the work. Plus there's some ups and downs that I'd like to talk about here in just a minute. But I do want to ask, you started gymnastics at a young age. Did you ever compete in any other sports or was that kind of like your focal point for the athletic yeah. realm? Um, pretty much that was all I ever did. I did like dance class and I think I played soccer when I was really little. Um, but gymnastics is a sport where it's like you're either all into it or you kind of you can't really do something else because it's just the time commitment. So um, I did dance, I think, simultaneously with gymnastics for a few years. And then my parents, you know, kind of said, like, what do you what do you want to do more? And I chose gymnastics. So I think that's really the only sport I've ever done competitively. Obviously, I've like done other things, um, but gymnastics is the only sport that I have like fully competed in. I love to hear that. That's awesome. So as you're, as you're getting older, um, one of the things with like, I guess you could say traditional sports, I don't know, like the, the main sports that people know of in the, in the, the world, gymnastics is one of those. It's very mm -hmm. well known around the world, but I'm talking, I mean, let's just say like football, basketball, baseball, whatever, like volleyball, these ones like strength and conditioning training is essential for those types of sports. And that, it's, that's a focal point in a lot of high schools, at least in the United States. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious when, like, what is the strength and uh, conditioning routine for a gymnast uh, such as yourself, even at the co collegiate level? Like, do you guys work on any of those, like, strength training and, and all the stuff that those other athletes do? Or is it mental focus? Like, what is it that you guys do in a typical practice? Do you focus on that at all? Yeah. Um, so we practice, I mean, elite gymnastics and college gymnastics kind of have a different, I'm going to call it mentality when it comes to strength and conditioning. The more, like, elite gymnastics route is very, like, body weight um, focused exercises, like climbing yourself up a rope, like a lot of like chin-ups and like almost like CrossFit movements, but very much just like body weight. And that's why a lot of them are just like ripped little kids. Um, and then as you transition into college, you get more into like weight training and like strength-based stuff. So for us at Utah, we practice five times a week, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday mornings. And um, two of those workouts are kind of that elite gymnastics. It's like a in-gym conditioning. It's more body weight, circuit-based, um, lots of like pull-ups. It's a lot of upper body, but then a lot of like 
um, plyometrics for your legs because you want to keep your legs not only strong but really quick. But you need yeah. to have a really strong upper body to like be able to do gymnastics. Um, and then we do uh, we go to the weight room twice a week to do you know like a full strength based workout. So whether that's like power, um, completely strength based, like depending on what you kind of lack is what you train more. So we have like almost split programs for some of the girls. So our our strength coach is amazing and he's very like detail oriented with what, you know, what you do in the gym and how that needs to translate to the weight room. And then Saturday mornings we do typically like a cardio, like a high intensity cardio workout just because we don't need to be able to do anything for a super long period of time. It's just how much exertion can you do for a minute and a half? And that's pretty much it. That's so cool. That's, that's actually cool. And it's cool to hear that because it's like a hybrid split. Like it's adjusted, you know, well for what you guys need, obviously yeah. like what your sport specific training is needed. It's, it's, it's awesome to hear that, which is probably why you guys are one of the top programs around. Um, it's cool to just see how they've adjusted that. And just, I'm sure there's other programs that do it differently, um, but I'm sure it's across the board as you get into that elite level of division one gymnastics, like anything, they're going to be pretty focused on that. It's cool. Now, as I was reading your story prior to the interview, there were there was something about injuries um, that you had sustained throughout the duration of your career and how those affected you. Um, the reason I wanted to bring this up is because personally, I've I've dealt with that myself. Um, I actually watched your YouTube channel, uh, so shout out to your YouTube channel. I'm gonna have you like link that here if you guys if you want to share that here later, um, just to let people know. But I went to your YouTube channel and I was uh, uh, listening about your nose. You know, that was like the pinned video on there, and I was like, dang, dude, I got my nose shattered when I was when I was little, you know, being stupid, getting in a fight when I was younger in high school. Anyways, that's beyond the point. And then in boxing, it never really helped it. So my, my whole nose is crooked. And I remember you saying like, my nose is crooked. Like I had gotten surgery on it, redone and everything, but it's still like to this day, it's crooked. It never fixed perfectly. And so I, I sit there with this, you know, weird nose. So I just thought it was interesting. I've I kind of related in a sense. And then having gone through surgery for my shoulder in recent years, like five years ago, and like, not just the the physical effect that it had on me, but the mental effect that it had on me as like depression, anxiety kicks in as I gained weight and all sorts of things happened in my life that were a little bit, that were just like a byproduct of that. So I want to talk about this because a lot of athletes don't realize they'll see professional athletes like, oh, so-and-so tours MCL and he's a professional football player. And then you kind of just like, oh, they could just get better and it's good, but they don't see what's going on behind the scenes when they're having to deal with all that. Um, yes. And I think it's important for people to be aware of that. If you're going through an injury, um, there's a lot of athletes that I coach that have, they're going through injuries right now and surgeries and they have to wait out a little while while they rehab. So let's talk about your, your injury history and how it affected you and how you were able to overcome those types of things, starting with whenever, whatever injury you want to talk about. But I do remember reading something about uh, you breaking your foot. Yes. The foot was, the foot was really hard um, because the timing of it was really unfortunate. It was, um, kind of going into the Olympic cycle in which I would have had my best chance, which was 2016, um, Olympics. So it was the, I think it was like, shoot, I think it was 20, so it would have been 2015, um, around April, we were about to leave for our nationals. So, you know, where you would qualify to then, you know, kind of keep going for the Olympic route. And I was doing a beam dismount and just took off really wrong and broke my second, third, and fourth metatarsal in my left foot. Okay. You know, crap happens, shit happens. Um, moved on, you know, healed, did all the rehab. Sucked, but it was like, you know, it wasn't the end of the world because there was still time. Um, and then 
I was went to the world championship trials, which was in Montreal at the time. And I didn't make the team, but it was kind of good for me to like get back in there and be like, okay, I can still do this. And this was shortly after I had been cleared to practice. So I got ready really, really quickly, which in hindsight probably wasn't a great idea, but, um, came back from that trials and the day, first day in practice did the exact same thing and rebroke second, third, and fourth in the same foot, exact same spot and everything. So then it was, you know, back to the hospital. And then we had a tough decision to make of like, why did it rebreak? You know, like it's not super common. Once you break a bone, it's normally stronger than the other side, but it's like, we weren't sure what was going on. So I had to go through, you know, like bone density scans and a whole bunch of blood work to make sure that like, it wasn't not my fault, but like my body's fault. Um, anyway, pretty much it was just like where the stress on the bone was. So I ended up having to get three plates and 12 screws put in my foot, which was a lot. Um, and that surgery was very painful. Um, and then I ended up, you know, as I was recovering from that, one of my tendons for my second toe got like tangled up in the scar tissue. So I was like unable to move my like second toe. And it was, I remember being like the middle of winter in Canada. So like you have to wear boots. And every time I went to put a shoe on, it would like roll under because it oh like had no ability <laughs> to lift it. Um, so then I had to go back into surgery to get that fixed. Um, so the foot ended up taking about two surgeries to get, and now it's completely metal. I don't have any intention of ever pulling those out of my foot. Um, but that one was hard just because the timing of it, it pretty much crushed any dream I had, um, kind of in gymnastics. And then after that point, that was a hard surgery to recover from just due to the, like where it was and how gymnastics works and pushing off your foot is really essential. And when it goes from being flexible to rigid, you know, cause now you have metal in it, that was kind of a hard adjustment. And just mentally that one was hard because I was so just ready to like give it my all. And then every time I was ready to give it something else happened and then you just have to wait and be patient and it sucked. But, um, that's kind of the story of the foot. So yeah, like it actually makes me wheezy. Some of the stuff, but, <laughs> and, and that's, that's brutal going through that. And you say it's tough, you know, is there any tips or advice that you would give to people like, and, and, that you actually utilized like during that time mentally to be able to get through that because yeah, you got to be patient. People don't realize like, yeah, being patient, that's six months sometimes for some people, yeah. depending on the surgery or nine months, it, it just depends just to get healed enough to even go do stuff. So in the meantime, are you taking care of your body? Are you eating right? Which I wasn't when I was hurt. Like, like what do you do to pass the time away when you're like limited so much, you're used to one sort of lifestyle and then you're limited and it hits you so hard mentally because you're not able to do those things. I'm just curious, you know, Sydney, what, what did you do to be able to like be patient and practice that? And when you were going through the peaks and valleys of like, okay, it's good one day, it's terrible the next and all that stuff. How did, how did you get through that? Um, I mean, I attribute a lot of that to my, my family and my parents just because they were super supportive. But, um, my advice honestly is once you get hurt, like give yourself a few days to wallow in self-pity, you know, like it does suck. And like, sometimes you just need to like, tell yourself it sucks, tell other people that it sucks, you know, eat a burger, just kind of like take care of yourself for like, and I'm so serious, like a, a fraction of time, obviously not like a long duration, because that'll start to have negative effects on you. But like, just take a few days to just like, be like, you know what? Yeah, this sucks. I'm going to like, eat junk food. I'm going to eat what I want to eat. I'm going to do the things that I can't normally do. And then 
you know, that next Monday or whatever it resets, get back into like a rhythm of like, okay, I'm going to eat right. I'm going to do what I can, you know, I'm going to do visualization or whatever that is. And for me, like going into the gym really helped. And I know some people don't necessarily like to be around able-bodied people that can do what they want to do. But for me, it was a way of being like, okay, I can stay in a routine. I'm still in the gym. And just by like watching other people do your sport, you tend to learn about your sport. So I think I use a lot of my injury to actually like understand gymnastics from more of like a coaching perspective, um, which has benefited, benefited me greatly moving on just because I have the ability to kind of understand more so what the coach is telling me and why they're telling me that. Um, so I would say, yeah, you know, take the time to let your injury suck, but then kind of get on a rhythm of eating well, sleeping well, um, cause you're sleeping and your eating is going to impact your recovery probably more than any other aspect of it. Um, and then doing what you can physically, um, while still being sane and not, you know, trying to like, if you have a leg injury, doing a thousand pull-ups a day is probably not going to be beneficial, but you know, like finding a good balance between like staying active, but still staying injured and not pushing your injury too fast would be my, that'd probably be my advice. I love it. I'm going to quote that eat a burger. Perfect. That was fantastic. (laughs) Eat a burger. Uh, what's your favorite, what's your favorite burger joint in Salt Lake city? Have you gone to crown burger? I'm just curious your thoughts on crown burger. I live literally across the street from it and I've never been, I know. Well, I mean, maybe that's not something you should be doing while you're competing, but like, if you're going to truly going to eat a burger, like crown burger, come on now. That's what, that's what Salt Lake's famous for. That's like, <laughs> Give it a go. Uh, so funny. Um, okay. So, and then coming back from an injury, Sydney, when you were finally healthy, you've gotten through that, you've gotten the surgeries, you're, you're good to go. That too can be a mental grind for people. Cause they, they, they have a hard time, like getting over that. You had broken your foot doing the same thing the same place. And now, like you said, it was rigid. It's not flexible. And like all those little things that you, it's in the back of your head, but I'm sure with gymnastics, a lot of it's on focus. You're doing a lot of these things that are like detail oriented um, with what you're doing. Sports are like that. It's funky for any, anyone out there. What, what would your advice be on trying to get past that mental barrier? Now that you've gotten, now you're able to compete. How do you figure out like, okay, I'll be okay. Like do this stuff. So you're not so scared about getting re-injured again. Um, That's a hard one because my brain operates very differently from a lot of people. I'm the kind of person that's like, okay, I'm going to acknowledge the fact that like this could happen again, or I can hurt myself again and not necessarily live in this like false reality of like, no, you're not going to get injured again. Like you've had your fair share because I've had my fair share and then I've still gotten injured after that type of thing. Um, But for me, it's kind of like, all right, do you want to do this? And I was always like, yeah, I still want to do gymnastics. Okay. Then I'm going to do it without the fear of all of this external things. Cause as soon as you start to think about everything that could go wrong, you just paralyze yourself. And especially in gymnastics, like you can't think like that. You have to think very like one thing at a time. You can't really start to think about everything that could go wrong because in our sport, it is, there's so many things that could go wrong and you are in control of everything that can go wrong. You know, you don't have an offense and a defense. Like, it's not like, oh, if this guy hits me here, I can react. Like, to me, that makes sense. Like, you have an external force in your sport. You are, in gymnastics, you are the only thing that's in control of what you're doing. And so what you, you know, repeatedly tell yourself and your mental state determines your performance more than probably your, like, physical ability. Gymnastics is probably 
I mean, it's very physical and you have to obviously have the talent to do it because not everyone can just figure it out no matter how determined they are. Um, but your mental focus is so, so, so important that if you start to focus on everything that could go wrong and like the fear of getting re-injured, you're just going to paralyze yourself and you're probably actually going to get hurt. So I was always just like, you know what? Yeah, it could happen again. But guess what? You've gotten hurt. You've gotten through it. You got hurt again. You got through it. What's the third one? I like that. No, that's cool. And and I appreciate you being open and honest about that. You said like your brain functions differently than other people, but I'm sure there's people that have that same yeah. mentality. And that's what makes these interviews unique is because everyone's a unique person. Yeah. Like they have their own stories and their own ways of getting through things. And so that's why, where I hope that athletes that are listening to this, coaches that are listening to this, parents that are listening to this, maybe you'll relate to this and you'll be like, oh, like, okay, I get that. Okay. And try to implement some of those things that, that you're teaching them, Cindy. So that's awesome. Um, at U of U, you know, going in, you, you decided to come back for a fifth year. I mean, during the pandemic, it's been a weird, weird thing for a lot of collegiate athletes. Yeah. Um, and you, you were one of them that's, you know, obviously been impacted as a collegiate athlete with the, and it's allowed for a, a fifth year for people, you know, an additional year for a lot of athletes if they choose to do it. And you chose to come back. Talk to us about your decision of uh, coming back for a fifth year at uh, University of Utah. Um, it was a no brainer. I, as soon as, the NCAA announced that, you know, they were going to let, um, when I think we're considered a winter athlete, an extra year of eligibility. Um, and luckily I was a senior last year. So you get a guaranteed financial aid for your fifth year, which doesn't apply to all the other years that got the COVID year. Um, yeah, I immediately called my head coach and I was like, can I, you know, come talk to you in your office tomorrow. And I just went in there and I was like, put my name on the list, do what you need to do. Like I, want to come back to me. It's like, I have, obviously there's so many ups and downs to college sports and, you know, you could dwell on a lot of the negatives, but that's like maybe 5% of the experience that you have as a collegiate athlete. Um, but 95% of it for me has been so enjoyable and I have fulfilled pretty much every dream I've ever had. I'm so like grateful for this program. I love the coaches. I love the girls. I just love everything that this program stands for. And down to like our fans and our donors and the people that support us behind closed doors. So to me, it was like, there's no reason for me not to come back. I mean, I have the rest of my life to get a job, um, you know, and work a nine to five. I don't have this opportunity. This opportunity will never, you know, come by me again. So I'm going to, you know, soak it up. And everyone always tells you, you know, college is the best four years of your life. So to me, I was like, let's turn four into five and just run with it. Oh, I like that mentality. See, for for me, college was like eight years because I couldn't figure out how to just. I was working full time and going to school full time. It just sucked. So I was ready to be done with school, but I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't a collegiate athlete anymore at that time. So it was what it was. I think that's so awesome, and it speaks highly to your program. It speaks highly of that entire university, which is fantastic. The fan base, like you said, donors and everything that's that's included in there, um, and I'm sure it speaks to your teammates. You know, Sydney, as as a gymnast, like you were mentioning, it's a it's an individual sport in the sense of the events that you're doing are individual. Like it's, it's, that's what it is, but you do have teammates and, and those who are part of the program with you. And I want to, you know, just kind of talk about that, like the sisterhood um, and, and, and even the, the males who are part of the program as well. But like, usually, you know, we always talk about brotherhood or sisterhood in these sports. Yeah. What's, what has that been like um, the, the team atmosphere for you in gymnastics and how has that helped you at, at different points of your life? It's definitely weird because, you know, coming into college, you're used to just like 
it's like the hunger games. It's, you know, you always had teammates in club, but at the end of the day, like it was about you and their success did not benefit you. Then you transition into this idea of like, okay, now you're still competing against your teammates, but like what they do actually helps you. And it's a weird mentality to like adopt, to be like, yeah, well, I want to go in, but if someone else is better than me, like then they should go in type of, it's a weird, it's a really weird transition. And it takes a while because, you know, you become competitive with, especially like certain people. Like for me, it was, um, the girl that I came into school with, her name is Alexia Birch. Um, and she's also a fifth year now. And we always had this like way competitive thing against each other, but I never felt that way about anyone else in the gym. And I don't know if it's like who I came in with and who I saw as like a direct competitor of mine. But then, you know, as I got older and kind of matured out a little bit, it was like, okay, she's allowed to be good and I'm allowed to be good. And we're allowed to like benefit each other in that. And it's not a competition of like, my success versus hers because we're on a team and the team comes first. And that's kind of always been the culture of Utah is we're looked at, you know, we call ourselves a family and that's very much a true statement. That's not just being like, Oh, we're a big happy family, but it literally is. We have primarily females around us, obviously, but then we do have a few male staff members who, you know, have to learn how to work with, you know, 17, 18 women at once. And that's like a family. And I grew up with, you know, a sister, a mom and a dad. And my dad had to, you know, learn how to integrate into, you know, just living with women. And that's kind of what it's been like. And then there comes the sisterhood aspect of it. And it truly is a sisterhood because you always love your sister, but you don't always like your sister. And it's really unreasonable to believe that as a team, you're just going to like love each other and like each other 24 seven. Cause you have for us this year, we have 16 girls. That's 16 personalities. That's more people fighting for a smaller amount of spots. It's going to get, you know, there's always going to be tension. There's always going to be that, but that's a dynamic that happens in any relationship, especially when it's competitive. Um, but our program does a really good job of being like, you know, everyone has a role, whether your role is, you know, competing one event, doing everything or not even competing, you have a role and your role is as important as anyone else's. Um, and I think that's why I fall in love with the program here as someone that's only ever really competed one or two events. I didn't necessarily contribute four scores to the team, but my contribution always felt like it was enough. Yeah. And I think that that's a really important thing in college sports because, you know, you get really caught up in like, well, who's the star of the team? And the star of the team is nothing without the other people. And those people are just as important because they help the star quarterback or whatever, you know, whoever that person is on your team, you don't get there alone. And in gymnastics, you need six scores. You don't need one, you know? And so we've kind of, you know, our coaches have taught us, you know, you need each other. Don't be the best person on the team, be the best person for the team, you know, and adopt a selfless mentality Whereas a lot of gymnasts have a very selfish mentality when it comes to sport because it's always been individual. That is so good. And so like, there's like three different golden nuggets there that I hope people will rewind and take notes mm-hmm. selfless versus selfish. Like, and it, it is probably hard for you guys because okay. growing up before you get to that level of gymnastics, it is individual. Like it, that's part of what it is. 
And so you do have to kind of be able to adjust. And for some, that's easier than others. I love the whole concept. You always love your sisters. Don't always like them kind of thing. That's, that's the reality of life. Like you said, that's, that's relationships in life. I mean, Holy cow. You know, that, <laughs> I got my wife and I, I mean, we'll bicker back and forth. We love each other, but it's, uh, I'll be honest. Like there's times where she doesn't like me and there's times where I'm like, okay, yeah, right, I do love you. Okay. Like we got to remind that this is how it is. Like, and I think it's cool that you're, you're able to learn that through gymnastics. Now, Sydney at, at, at uh, university of Utah up until this point, I mean, there's probably better experiences to come obviously, but what's your favorite memory so far competing at U of U? Um, my favorite memory was, um, last last year. And I never thought it would be a pandemic memory. Um, but we, I don't know. Are you familiar with how like the NCAA format works for gymnastics? Somewhat, but if you want to educate us, do that. Cause okay. some of the listeners uh, may not be. I figured most people probably don't. So every week you compete and then you're ranked based off of your score. Right. And it's an average of you know, you have to like drop your high score, drop your low score, count so many home scores versus away scores, just because the sport is so subjective. It's that's the only way to like kind of even out the fairness. So then once you're ranked, you go to like a regionals where it's like team one goes with team four or like, and then two goes with three or whatever. I don't, it's like kind of like a bracketed it's thing. A bracketed, yeah, it's a bracket yeah. situation. Uh -huh. So you make it out of you make it out of your regionals, and then you go to NCAA's. And so NCAA's is the first day. There's eight teams, so it's two sessions of four, and then the top two from each session then go to the what they call the final four. So it's like that's it. That's where your national champion um, is determined is those four. So. My favorite memory is it's called the Elite Eight. So it was that first day of NCAAs. We started on beam, which is we were probably, I think we were ranked second in the country. And we were, and I will argue we are the best team in the NCAA on beam. And we went out there and we had probably like our worst performance we could have. Like obviously we didn't have falls, but like we just weren't firing on all cylinders. And everyone on Instagram and Twitter was like, if Utah wants to make it to the final four, they have to come out on beam and be incredible. And we did not do that. So then we were all like, oh gosh, like, what do you do? What do you do? So we kept going and then we made it to our final event and we were in fourth place. And so, you know, we look up at the scoreboard and everyone is like, you can just tell everyone's defeated. And, you know, I just pulled everyone aside and I was like, you guys, it's not over until it's over. Like, you don't know, another team might fall apart on this event. And if we just have the mentality of we're not going to make it, maybe that's the difference. Like, we're going to fight until the end. And then that way we can say, you know, we gave it everything we had. And if it didn't work out, it didn't work out. So we go to the last event and we were on bars and we had a, probably our best rotation we've ever had the entire season. And then you sit there and we were in second uh, we were in second place at the time and two more teams still had to keep going. So it was just the, you know, you're watching the scoreboard and making sure no one jumps you. Cause as soon as someone jumped you, we were eliminated. And, you know, we sat there in the corral and just like crying. We had no idea what the result was, but it was just the idea of like, we're either about to be so happy or so sad. Um, and we had just pushed through so much adversity through COVID and like, it sucked. And any college athlete can tell you that like competing in front of nobody, it, it's awful. And it's not the reason that you do college sports. 
And especially for us, we normally have a fan base of 15,000 come watch us compete. And we had a meet where, you know, our head coach asked like the janitors and he was like, if you are in this building, I need you in the stands. Like we need some type of motivation. And we had probably like 12 people. So it was like going from like having to push through all of that and then having to push through like not being able to have a social life. Like we went through so much shit that people don't understand college athletes went through while still pushing towards a season that you didn't know was going to happen. Um, so long story short, we made the final four and obviously, you know, we ended up third in the country, which is incredible. But my favorite memory is that day one of just being like doing one of these and just like holding everyone's hand and just being so happy and like everything that seemed so hard in the past few months just seemed so worth it in that moment. Um, so I think that was by far my favorite memory at the University of Utah. So freaking cool, dude. That is such a freaking <laughs> awesome story. I, I'm i like geeking out about it and I wasn't even there. Like, I like that. I appreciate you giving the details too because that, that's what, you know, telling the stories like that is what gets to people. Like, you can feel yeah. it. I think that's awesome. Um, in your life, Sydney, growing up in the sports world or, you know, outside of sports, whatever, mentors are hugely important. Leaders are important. Um, I'm just curious, have you, if, if there was one mentor that you could give a shout out to that maybe influenced you in your life in a positive way, whether that's a parent, a coach, who, a teammate, whomever, um, a teacher at school, I don't know, who would it be and, and what did they do to influence you in your life in a positive way? Um, I have two. Perfect. I mean, I could have a lot more. Um, yeah. My club coach, her name is Jana Ball. Um, she had coached me since I was about seven years old until, you know, I left for college at 17. So I had her for about 10 years and she, you know, she's like my second mom. Um, I probably spent more time with her growing up than I did my actual family. Um, and she just had such a incredible mindset to sport. Unlike any other gymnastics coach, like I have, I, you know, I have girls on my team here that talk horror stories about, you know, how their coaches used to treat them. And I mean, think that's really coming up now with the world of safe sport and you know and not being okay to abuse your athletes but that was always the culture of gymnastics and it still unfortunately is um and she just refused to like be like that she was so supportive if you were hurt you were hurt you didn't push through an injury because there was no point to that whereas so many gymnastics coaches were like I don't care if your back is broken like you still have to do three beam routines um, and she was so supportive of like our academics, um, you know, our families. And like to this day, like every time I go home, I go and have dinner with her or she comes and she'll watch the meets with my family. Like so she's someone who's integrated more to me as a coach. And now she's like part of my family. But she really helped me through, you know, all those hard times and having a really uh, positive experience in club, which is really rare in gymnastics. Um, and then transitioning into college. Our head coach, Tom Farden, is probably one of my biggest, you know, mentors and supporters. He's just, you know, he's an intense guy, but he's a softie at heart. And you just yeah. kind of have to, you know, him and I have developed a really good relationship and like, you know, coach athlete. And he cares about us the same way. Like he just wants you to be happy and succeed in more than just gymnastics. Um, you know, and I've learned a lot from him. You know, he has his, you know, those stupid sayings that your coach always tells you and you don't quite understand them until you kind of sit back and think about what they're saying to you. And so many things that he has taught me in the last 
you know, four years have helped me tremendously in my life. So I would say those are the two biggest, you know, sport mentors that have had a really big impact on my life. So awesome. I hope those uh, coaches and other leaders in the sports world hear that and understand like that's how you can influence uh, young adults and even, you know, young kids at a different age, depending on where you're at. Like it's, I just find it so important in today's society, especially if you're in sports for the leaders of those sports to take care of those athletes and prepare them for life in general. Like just, it's just super important with the crap that's going on today in the world. Like kids battle with anxiety, they get bullied. I think it's garbage. It's important for the leaders to not be part of that, but to be a positive influence in a good way. And I think it's cool that you've had those. So two questions left for you, Sydney, that I'm just thinking of off the top of my head, but, um, I do want to ask for the sport itself. What is your favorite event and why? Cause there's a million different things in gymnastics that I look at and I'm like, I never, I can't even, I can't even at the park and I'm playing with my five-year-old, I can't even walk on the balance beam. That's like five inches off the ground. I'm like, you guys are doing flips and it doesn't make sense to me, but I would like to know what your favorite event is and why. My favorite event is floor. Okay. So obviously the big square. Um, it's just always what I've been the best at. And I really don't like to do things I'm not good at. Um, so I like to be, you know, I like doing things that I'm good at. So I've always just been, you know, that's been my most um, successful event. It's what I've done throughout my entire college career. Um, it combines, you know, like there's music, there's dance. It's the one event that really can like get a crowd involved. And you kind of just, you feel like a superstar when you're out there and you're doing really cool things. It's fun. Your personality kind of gets to come out in sport, which is really rare for a lot of sports, you know. Um, but for us, we're kind of lucky that we have almost this like theatrical aspect to our sports. So, I mean, it's super fun to just like launch yourself in the air and be able to flip and land without a problem because people think that's really cool. Um, cool. But I think that it's really fun because it's the one event that stands out. It's it's dance, it's gymnastics, it's crowd engagement. It's just really fun. So dope. I think that's so cool. Yeah. If I, when I watch good floor routines, I'm like, holy frick, dude. Like, it's just insane. Yeah. Like gymnastics as a whole is just, it's a different world for me. I mean, I'm six two, two thirty. I'm not, I'm not built for that. Like that's, that's not my style, but like <laughs> it is the coolest thing to watch when you guys do that kind of stuff. Now, Sydney, what's the expectations for, for your squad this year? And then what's your expectations after college is over? Like eventually, you know, this has been like five years. Have you thought about, you know, life after college and what you plan to do? Um, with, with all of your experience that you've had. And I just want to kind of know that. So ex the, the expectations for your team and then the expectations after college. Um, expectation for our team is kind of, I mean, that's like a tricky question because we all know what we want to do. You know, every, every really good team in college sports, you know, they have the same goal. And for us, we have all of the talent. We have all the resources. We have pretty much everything we need to get there, but we're trying to, you know, stay humble and stay hungry and just whatever happens, happens. Cause that was kind of our mentality last year. And it led us to being third in the country where everyone projected us to be like seventh or like sixth. I don't remember where we we're supposed to finish, but it was not super high. Um, so I think for us, obviously we, we want to win and we want to win a lot of things and we want to win the big one. Um, but we're not focusing on you know, April right now, we're just going to focus on let's be the best team we can be every single weekend, no matter the opponent, um, and just kind of see where that takes us. Um, but the expectation is high. We have an incredible rec uh, freshman recruiting class. We have fifth year returners. We have girls coming back from injury. We are, 
loaded in terms of, you know, talent on the roster. So the expectations are high, but we're just going to, you know, keep, keep humble with them and not, you know, get a big head. Cause that doesn't help you. Um, and then for after college, it's a great question. Um, so I have my degree in finance and then I'm currently getting my degree in marketing. So, um, one of those two is kind of the route that I'm going to look at. I love, I love marketing. I like the aspect of it. And I kind of think that just due to like building a brand and doing YouTube and all those things, I enjoy marketing. So that's almost something I want to do maybe on the side and then focus more on, you know, a finance job, um, work at a bank or something, who knows. Um, but you know, I do love the sport of gymnastics and I want to leave it for a little bit. And you know, when I'm done, I want to move on and I want to see if I actually miss the sport versus, you know, right away out of college, you know, maybe going into coaching or something. I want to like move on. I want to try something else. It's a new chapter of my life and I really want to give it its opportunity to be a new chapter. Um, and then, you know, at some point, if I really feel like part of me is missing and I want to give back to the sport, um, at that point, you know, maybe I would coach or do something on the side and just somehow be tied to it. But right out of college, I've always said, I just want to, I want to see what there is in the world because we've never as gymnasts or even as collegiate athletes had the, the chance to experience what life is like without sports. Um, and I want to give myself a fair shot at that without, you know, telling myself, Oh no, no, you need to be involved. You need to be involved. And I want to miss it before I, you know, kind of get back there. I respect that a lot. I think a lot of people forget that. And I, and I think it's cool that you have the guts to go do that because it's comfortable for you in a sense right now. That's been a big part of your life. Yeah. Give it a little break. Go, go learn things. I think that's important for a lot of people. Go learn some stuff. You've got to compete at the highest level right now, like in collegiate sports. Like that's super, super cool. And you're going to continue to do that. And yeah, go give yourself a, a shot at what you've, you know, also utilized your college yeah. years for, and that's to get an education in those, those fields. And Go test that. Go test that that education elsewhere and, and see what you enjoy doing in life. That's part of the, the journey of life. I think it's super, super cool. Uh, marketing, it's a huge thing for me too. I love like, I work my full-time job at a company called ClickFunnels, um, one of the top marketing companies in the entire world. Uh, so check that out if you're ever interested. I, I love that stuff. I think it's super cool when people are building yeah. a brand. I think it's so awesome. So um, tell us, Sydney, where can we find you? Um, tell us like, do you, do you want to shout out your YouTube channel? Like what do you, what, what where can we find you for the listeners that want to follow your journey? Um, my YouTube, I believe is just my full name. So Sydney Soloski. my Instagram is Sid underscore Soloski. My Twitter is my full name and my TikTok is also my full name. You're everywhere. So Twitter and TikTok, Instagram, Instagram you're, you're everywhere. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm going to put these down here. I'll make sure to link those into the, in the description so that the listeners can go and find you. I think it's super cool. I'd encourage everybody to go follow you see your journey. I think it's super cool. Once we get to know you as a person, it's always cool to see the journey afterwards. So Sydney, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for taking the time to join me and, and talk to me on the, on the show and sharing your story. And I wish you the best of luck moving forward. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. Thank you and take care. And we'll be coming to you guys next week with another interview. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.